It is so good to see the house is full. <laughs> Does my heart good. And Micah rewrote those words for that song just to be the Easter thing. So we got a lot of, a lot of themes going down up here, all right? I was going to start hitting that thing, but it would swing forever. And you just watch that the whole time. Why isn't it stopping? Why is it still moving? What's up? That's good. We bring the TV out or no? No? Okay. I don't need a TV. I've preached before without a TV. Well, we're calling a vain event. If you weren't here last Sunday, it was Palm Sunday. And this is truly Easter is what we call the main event. And it's like a boxing thing. Last week, it was Jesus coming down on Palm Sunday. Okay? We don't have the TV. Good. Now I feel comfortable. So, um, Palm Sunday and Jesus descending into the city, kind of like, you know, when the guy comes in and he's got his entourage and he's doing this and the fans, and that's what Palm Sunday was. Uh, and, we, and the main idea that day was, do you tailor God to meet your expectations or do you tailor your life to meet God's? Uh, the Jews, the religious ones at the time, they were truly the ones who were trying to fit God in their, their own image. Jesus didn't fit what they were looking for, a Messiah, and between them, the Romans and the crowds, they hung him on a cross, and that was Friday. But Sunday was coming, right? And we had a great, we had a good, uh, good Friday service over real life. It was fun to get the churches together. It was the first time in actually two years since we couldn't do it last year, first time in two years that we were allowed to do that. And that was the beginning of this main event. So this is like the last round. This is, you know, you can almost picture, you know, the fighters down. Rocky goes down, you know, and all of a sudden there's this buildup and then there's this comeback because no one expected. I mean, literally, no one expected Jesus to come out of the tomb. And, and you know, we know that. I know I'd probably say it every year because the disciples weren't outside the tomb going, five, four, three, two, one. I mean, no one believed he was going to do it. And so we celebrate that. And I don't know if you've heard this phrase before. It's called death is only the beginning. Have you heard that? I, I, I have a friend who's got it tattooed across his chest. Now, it's tattooed across his chest because he heard it in a movie and thought it was really cool. And it's been in a lot of movies. It's been in The Mummy. It's been in Sherlock Holmes. Tons of, tons of movies have that line, death is only the beginning. But do you know where that came from? The Bible. I mean, the Bible's been saying that from the very beginning, that mankind was not meant to just die and then go into the, to the ground and never come back again. We will all live forever. Death is truly only the beginning. And as we study through the book of Revelation, it's really going to decide where your beginning will end up, where, where you're going to end up on that day. Whether it's going to be with him in heaven or was it going to be in hell with the, with the devil and his cohorts. I mean, that is, death is only the beginning of a future, but we decide what that future is. I've been studying through the Psalms, and this week I got to Psalm 49, and um, that was interesting. It says this in verse 7. No man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. 
The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. You can't put a price tag on a soul. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I mean, we think we'd want to do it, but we can't. It's too costly. But the good news is, it's found in verse 15 because it says, but God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself because death is only the beginning. But again, the beginning of what? And the resurrection is the most pivotal, life-changing of humankind to take place. This is truly, of all the things, of all the theologies, rests on the resurrection. If you do not believe that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, then you're wasting your time here. Just go party hardy, drink whatever you want, sleep with whoever you want. doesn't matter. If the resurrection did happen, what does that mean? John MacArthur is a preacher down south. He had some great things to say about the resurrection. He said, the resurrection is not a feature of Christianity, but it's the essential truth. The resurrection is the crowning event of God's redemptive history. The resurrection is the cornerstone of Christianity. It's the found, foundation of the gospel. It is the guarantee of heaven. It truly is the main event. And even though the resurrection has been, I mean, it's been criticized, it's been blown away, it's been, you know, Satan has used everything it can to cloud the issues whether it's the critics saying that the, you, know, you can't trust the Bible, there's no way someone can raise from the dead, uh, they've invented myths that you know, Jesus really didn't die on a cross, he just kind of swooned up there, fainted, and then he was put in a tomb and the moist tomb revived him. And he kicked away a couple tons of stone and out he came. Or, you know, the Jesus really, uh, you know, the disciples you know, stole the dead body. He was truly dead, but kind of paraded him around Jerusalem like weekend at Bernie's or something. And just kind of, that's what they did. And so all these myths. I'm surprised how many people laughed. I, when I wrote that, I got to say there's going to be a few people that know weekend at Bernie's. All right. All right. Dating myself and some of us right here, right? Anyway. Books have been written, things have been said. We're, we're, we're saying Easter, no. See, Easter is the name of Ishtar, the Babylonian and Syrian goddess of fertility. Or maybe it's the Anglo-Saxon one that sounds just the same. And so then we, we take, uh, you know, Easter baskets. And this tradition started where you get a basket or everything, and you put grass in it, and you put eggs, and co Peter Cottontail will come. And I'm not saying nothing around baskets. There are a line of baskets on our, on our table this morning that my wife, the, yeah, not my wife didn't do it. Uh, so no, I mean we do those things. We do those things. She did do it, by the way. Um, and I'm not saying those necessarily are bad, but Satan has done a great job to cloud over the truth. And there have been countless sermons. There have been countless books written about. I mean, this is my 25th Easter Sunday service for Horizon, and. I've talked a lot. I mean, I went through some of the files, and I went through and go, man, I preached on this, preached on this. How am I going to turn this around differently? I mean, some of you go, you preached that on year 19. I mean, I, not that you guys remember what I preached last Sunday, but <laughs> sometimes I don't remember what I preached last Sunday. But rather than saying, here, let me prove the resurrection to you, I want to flip the question and go, what does the resurrection prove? Let's assume for a moment that Jesus actually did rise from the grave. 
what does that mean to us? What does that make certain for us? What does that prove for us today? So I got a few points that I could have put more in here. Uh, they're not, not in a certain order. But the first thing it does, the resurrection proves that the word of God is true. Acts chapter 2. It's Peter. Now understand this is, this is right at what we call Pentecost. So the Burial, death, resurrection has already happened. Jesus has hung around for 40 days. He's ascended into heaven. And he told the disciples, go to Jerusalem. Wait for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And, and so this has taken place. The Holy Spirit comes in power. The people start speaking in languages that they've never talked in before, but proclaiming the glories of God. And they go out on the streets. And the people on the streets see this and go, hey, you've been tipping the bottle a little bit too early, thinking they're all drunk. Because they're all hearing from, because it's Pentecost, so you've got Jews from all over the world. They're hearing the gospel in their own language. And Peter begins to preach his first sermon. And what we find in verse 24 is this. It says, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, and now in verse, verse 25, He's going to quote the Psalms. He's going to quote, quote Psalm 16, 8 through 11. Now, what's interesting about Psalm 16, 8 through 11, this is David, David writing about the Messiah, but David doesn't speak in the third person about, about the Messiah. David, David speaks in the first person as if he is the Messiah when he says this, verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of my life. You will fill me with, with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And this speaking prophetically of who the Messiah is. His security in the future is here. He's determined that his steps have been determined by the Lord. Nothing can shake the Messiah, move him from this protective power. And that's why when, when Peter's preaching, he's using what is spoken of or what we would call the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament. He says in, in verse 29, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and is in a tomb here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witness to this fact. He was confident, not only because of what he saw, because he saw the resurrected Jesus, he was confident in the fact because it was spoken of throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, throughout the whole Testament, testifying that the resurrection proves that the Scriptures are true. Paul preached in Antioch. He preached from Isaiah and he preached from the Psalms about the resurrection. Paul before King Agrippa, he says this in Acts 26, but I have, I have that God helped me to this very day. I said I'd stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer at the first to rise from the dead, would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Again, 
back to the prophets, again, back to Moses, back to the Hebrew Scriptures, back to the Old Testament. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that Scripture is true. And here's the deal. If the resurrection didn't happen, Scripture can't be tr trusted. Not only that, it can't be, if it can be broken in one place, it can't be trustworthy in any place if what was said about Jesus wasn't true. Jesus is on the road to Emmaus. After his resurrection, a couple of disciples are walking. They don't re recognize Jesus because Jesus is dead. Why would this be Jesus? And he's talking to them, and he said, what happened in Jerusalem? What? Are you dumb or something? What do you mean what happened in Jerusalem? And he tells them the story, and then Jesus says this in verse 25. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I had a professor of Old Testament at Denver Seminary who said of all the places he could be in history, he wished he was there. Where Jesus opened up the Hebrew scriptures. Here I am here, here I am here, here I am here, here I am here. Everything, the resurrection proves this, that it is proven by the Word of God. And Paul, ultimately in 1 Corinthians 15, if you want a, a chapter just about the power of the resurrection, he says this in verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins, what? According to the Scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now, guys, New Testament wasn't here yet. It hadn't been compiled yet. He's talking about the Hebrew Scriptures. He's talking about the Old Testament. Everything, according to the Scriptures, according to the Scriptures, the resurrection proves that that Bible you have, that app on your phone that you have, that you can have 29,000 different versions of the Bible, it can be trusted because of what the resurrection took place. Secondly, the resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is God. It proves his deity. In your notes is a list, and we're not going to go through all the verses. That's for you to look up later. All the references, and this is not even all the references. I, I was just using people. You have the angels testifying at his birth that he's the son of God. You got the demons identifying him as the son of God. Man born blind, Peter, James, and John, Thomas, Nathaniel, Martha, John the Baptist, the Roman soldier. God himself, when he was being baptized, this is my son. At his transfiguration, this is my son, I'm well pleased. Again, over and over and over again, the scriptures testify that he was the son of God. And even when Paul writes in Romans... Verse 1 of Romans 1, he says this, Paul, a servant of, of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And regarding the Son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, he's a son of man, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared that with the power to be the Son of God by what? His resurrection. It was the resurrection from the dead that was the supreme declaration of the deity of Christ. The resurrection proves that the word of God is true. It can be trusted. The resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is truly the son of God, God himself. And thirdly, the resurrection proves the salvation of God is complete. This is important, guys, this one here. Obviously, the cross is a focal point. I mean, people wear crosses everywhere. I mean, Friday had to happen. There is no payment for our sins unless Friday took place. 
But if Friday just happened and Jesus was just buried and his bones went decayed like everybody else, well, then it's just Jesus Christ. Like, Jesus Christ, superstar. But that's all it is. That he was just a good guy. Yeah, he died on a cross. Well, I said, oh, guys, I'm up here dying for you guys. But if he didn't rise from the dead, it means nothing. His body re resurrection proves that his substitutionary death was legit. The two have to go hand in hand. You can't say, yeah, Jesus died, but he didn't rise from the dead and still even be here on a Sunday morning. You, you are wasting your time. Romans 4.25 says this. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. You have the first part, Jesus died for us, so there had to be a payment for the sins. But because he rose from the grave and stands at the right hand of the Father, we are now justified. That means when I stand before him, it's what Jesus did placed to my account. He's not looking at my sin because that was taken care of. And because he rose from the grave, he conquered death, putting an end to sin and its reign. And then at that stage, I am justified before him. I stand clean. I'm at judgment day and I'm not being judged for my sin. That was dealt with before. It was taken on the cross. And here's the, the thing, guys. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then we don't rise from the dead. If he can't give life, then he doesn't possess it. If he doesn't rise, we don't rise. If he didn't live, guys, we don't live either. You might as well enjoy yourself today because it could be over tomorrow, and that's end unless Jesus rose from the grave. John 14, 19, Jesus says this, Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also Here's something I never even considered before is that the resurrection, the only reason we have the Holy Spirit in our life to do the work is because of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit doesn't come unless there's a resurrection. I mean, Jesus is telling his disciples, he tells them, guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. Everyone loves that passage. They're going, why? Why can't we go with you? You can't go with me right now. And Jesus says this in verse 7. But I tell you the truth. It's good for me that I go, I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The fact that we have the Holy Spirit of God, the fact that we have spiritual gifts that we can use, the fact that we have the ability to live this life the way God wants it is because of the resurrection, because Jesus came to the right hand of the Father, sent the Holy Spirit so we could live in that power. If the resurrection didn't happen, guys, there's no Holy Spirit, there's no power, and you're just still living in your sin. Romans 6, 4, usually we say this at baptisms, because we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death. You know, the whole thing, you, you going into the water, that's his death, and then the burials when you're underwater, and after the bubbles stop and we make sure all the sin is wiped out. No, we don't do that. <laughs> Some parents have asked me to do that, but, it, but when you bring them up out of the water, that's the symbol of the resurrection. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The resurrection proves 
that the word of God is true. The resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is God. The resurrection proves that salvation of God is complete. Lastly, the resurrection proves a living hope that can't be extinguished. 1 Peter 1, through through 9, I love this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into what? Let me say it again. To what? Not a dead hope. A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can what? Never. Never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you who through faith and shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in that time, last time. In this you have greatly rejoiced, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer great grief in all kinds of trials, pandemics, lockdowns, jobs. Okay, it doesn't say that, but you know what I'm talking about. Verse 7, these have come so that your faith of greater worth and glory which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with a what? And glorious joy. What does inexpressible mean? What does it mean? You can't express it, right? You're, because you're trying to find words. You're trying to say, it's like this, or it's like this, because you're trying to joy, because if it's really captured you, if the fact that Jesus not only died, he rose from the grave, and because of that, when I believe in that, my sins are not only paid for, but he promises an eternal life for me. He gives me a living hope that can't perish, spoil, or fade, and that should be an inexpressible joy inside that I can't shut up about. That's what new birth, and this hope, this living hope, it's not like, I hope dinner turns out today, and I hope it's a nice sunny day for the Easter egg hunt. It's not that kind of hope. Hope is an eager, confident expectation. It means not only that it's living, but it's lively. There's life to it. I mean, there's some people that walk around, and they have this living hope. You swear they died inside or something. Actually, you know, it's a living hope, an inexpressible joy, you know, never perish, never. A living hope that is anchored. It's anchored in the past that Jesus died on a cross, rose from the dead. It's anchored in the present that he's alive, he helps, he listens, he interceding for the Father of right now for, for us. And in the future for eternal life someday. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4, when it says there, and into an inheritance can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, which means our hope is, I love this, our hope is death-proof, sin-proof, age-proof, and fail-proof. That's our hope. Some of you, that, that might be a great tattoo. Hey, just read it. That's all you got to do. That's what, or just a reminder to yourself up on the mirror. My hope is death-proof, sin-proof, age-proof, fail-proof. Because when Paul writes to the Ephesians church, he says, because, guys, you used to be without hope. Ephesians 2.12. Remember that there was a time when you were separate from Christ. Remember that time? Remember when you were far away from God? 
you weren't following him. Maybe it was in college. Maybe it was last week. You were excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. But the living hope shows up. That's why Hebrews 6, 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. An anchor that grounds us and keeps us from drifting. An anchor that holds on. This is that living, lively hope because of what the resurrection did. I can prove, I can use scripture, I can use history to prove that the resurrection is a historical fact. But if you don't believe who Jesus Christ is, that's not going to mean anything to you. For believers in Christ, what does the resurrection prove? It proves that the Word of God is true. It, it, it proves that Jesus is God. He's the Son of God. He's stand, sitting at the right hand of God. It proves that the salvation is in God is complete. There's nothing else that needs to be done. No more sacrifices need to be done. That was the last one. I don't know if you saw it this last week that the Jews uh, did a sacrifice, a dress rehearsal at the Temple Mount this last week. Now, they didn't sacrifice the lamb, they actually roasted it in, uh, that they were supposed to do, but this hasn't happened in a long time. They were just, as they said, rehearsing what is to come. Because that doesn't need to happen anymore because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. The resurrection proves that we have a living hope that cannot be extinguished. Now, you can cover it up. Jesus, that's what you, because you're the light of the world. You're a, you're a light set on a hill. You don't cover it up. Don't put anything over it. You're, you're my beacons. You're, you're the ones that should be telling everybody. Don't depend on door hangers. Don't depend on a sign out front. Maybe with neon signs spinning and everything, no, people will come. No, people will come because they see something's different about you. You have this living hope. There, something has happened. I used, to be, I used to have no hope because I didn't have God, but now I have this living hope. You can't extinguish. It's death proof. It's, I, I can't even screw it up. So let your light shine before men. Believers in Christ, I, you know, we, we say Easter is every day, which is true if we're truly going to live in that inexpressible, glorious joy. That means you're actively being a part of that. Guys, I'm one, clo one day closer to heaven than I was yesterday. I have a friend lost his mother, a good friend of mine, this last week, and I was able to send him a text. And I uh, uh, said, her first Easter in heaven. And that's true for some of you guys, loved one. First Easter in heaven. That someday, a long way away for me, I hope. I got too much to do still. Well, um, I will be there, not because of anything I've done, not because of anything I've said, other than 
I believe in Jesus Christ. He took away my sin. And I've tried to live my life the way that he would call me. And he's given me the Holy Spirit to, to enable me. He's given this joy that's inside of me. I just got to take the cover off and let my light shine. I want to pray for us as believers in Jesus that we would live that way in that glorious hope. But if you're here today, I don't want you to leave without the opportunity. What a perfect way Easter Sunday to say today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to choose to follow him. So I'm going to ask the band to come on up here. We're going to, we're going to close with that song that you guys learned today. But I'm going to tell you, you can't sit on that. This, that now that you know it, he turned. I mean, I, I, the graves in the gardens. I've played that a hundred times since my son sent it to me. He said, Dad, you got to listen to the song. And it just is powerful. When you look at all the things, he turned, he turned oceans into highways. I mean, all, every line is, you can pull a Bible story from it. There's nothing like Jesus. If you're here today and you want to believe that I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that he died on a cross, that he, he paid for my sins, and then by following him and giving my life to him, he promises me that everlasting joy. He promises me that living hope. Today, take it for yourself. All right? So let me pray for believers first. And if you're here, I'm going to have a prayer up on the screen that we can all pray together at the same time, okay? Father in heaven, I pray for those here, whether they came to Christ long time ago or maybe last Sunday. Father, I pray that you'd fill them with joy, inexpressible joy. Father, that they would cling to that living hope that they have. Lord, that you would just bless them to let them know that they are the light that you called them to be. If some of them will cover themselves up, may they take the cover off so that they can shine in their neighborhoods, their places of business, with their families today as they gather. As they maybe get to say, what, you know what I did this morning? I went to church. Who knows what kind of conversation, Father, that you can open up as we rejoice so, Father, I pray that we would live every day with that living, inexpressible, glorious joy. But if you're here today and you want to say this prayer, and I, again, guys, the words aren't the important thing. I mean, it's not a, I do it differently every single time, but it's what your heart is saying today, that you're giving your heart to Jesus, you're giving your life to Jesus. So let's say this together. Those who are watching this online, do the same. Let's put that up on the, on the screen. Let's say this together, all right? God in heaven, you sent your son Jesus to save us from our sins. My sin has separated me from you. I believe that Jesus Christ died to take away my sin. I believe that you rose Jesus Christ from the grave, and now he sits at the right hand. Today, I ask you to forgive my sin and to come into my life. Please begin to direct my life. Thank you for giving me this living hope. It is my anchor. I receive you into my heart this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, 
you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.